Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our patreon.com page to support the show, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram, Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on shortly my guest today. I'm committed personally to delivering more quality guests, quality content, and represent more and more of the stories that you share with me, people that I meet through my journeys in life and through the ever-growing presence on social media. So keep your comments, interests growing. I'm amazed by some of the topics that continue to come my way, and I'm humbled by some of the opportunities to go on other people's podcasts, which will be able to continue sharing with you through Instagram at Richard Listens. Today, we are going to have a guest helping us with an area that I encounter often in my private practice, which is whether teen clients or even adult clients later in life, we are all dealing with parenting or our parents and our relationship to our parents. And nowadays, with the influx of technology, TikTok, every child have an iPhone, it feels like some right in our country. That more and more exposure to different media and information and how it influences the way we operate as families and as parents. Today, my guest, we've been using social media, so it's not all bad to reconnect after years of being connected here in Los Angeles. Mrs. Rebecca Gez is a conscious parent coach, a certified theta 
Veda healing practitioner and a Kabbalah teacher, as well as mom, wife, and any other hats she'd like to describe that she has. And she does it all with grace and kindness. Today, we're going to focus our conversation on what it means to raise and parent children consciously. Welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Richard, for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. So tell me a little bit about, I know, the different parenting movements. Uh, What is conscious parenting? How did you come into it in your journey? Was it through becoming a mom and realizing, wow, there's a lot to learn? Was it from things you were observing being around community and children? So all of the above, I would say. Honestly, growing up, I was always interested in working with children. Actually always wanted to. And then I kind of got sidetracked. Didn't end up choosing that as a profession. And then parenting quite literally fell into my lap because I do work at the Kabbalah Center, like you mentioned. And so one topic that was brought up, why don't you start to teach Kabbalah and parenting? And being a young parent or a parent with young children, I was just starting to encounter all the challenges that we face as parents. I mean, I think parenting starts from the time you and your boss are pregnant um, and expecting life starts to change and to shift, but it shifts more and more as your children grow and grow. And there are different obstacles constantly, different challenges that are coming up. And so it fell into my lap, but connecting with children is something I've always been passionate about. I feel like growing up, I didn't always feel understood as a child, definitely not as a teenager. And I think that it's so important for parents to really learn how to connect with their children because we are all here to connect with our children. Every parent can connect with their children. You know, I know many times it feels like we're talking to a wall, but I think from both sides feel that way. I'm very, very passionate about this topic because of that. Well, it's interesting because what you're saying is bringing up so many questions for me. Where are the origins for you? Like where to begin in your own experience or in your desire to learn something externally? And what I heard you say was, look, it started in my own experience. It started in a lot of, you know, people come and they're like, what should I do? What, What path should I take? And the fact that there is some early experiences and feelings that we have so about not being understood that's really you know like I think there's a lot of coaches psychologists teachers out there who use that information to go I have to shift this in the world because it's it's an entire environmental experience which affects right how children feel about themselves as adults absolutely it all starts from everything we encounter as adults the way that we view the world the way that we you know view challenges the way that we handle challenges or run away from challenges it's so much of it it comes from our childhood experiences and for children you know the majority of their world until maybe they're in middle school really is school and homes their parents and then at some point you know their minds open up expand start to talk to other people and ask other people questions but as parents we have the privilege um, but also the challenge of really giving our children that right that foundation to believe in themselves to believe in the world to develop all of their strengths and I'm really passionate about guiding parents to connect with that inside of themselves. I think that every parenting is so much about, you know, conscious parenting is not one way for each person. And I think that that's something that's really important because there are all of these movements that exist. There's gentle parenting, there's spiritual parenting, there's patient parenting. I mean, you can put all different words in front of the word parenting. I think conscious parenting is really for each parent to open up their minds, to try to connect and understand their child. And that's going to look different for every parent. It's really about developing your own internal parenting compass you know it's really just about because the way I parent I like that parenting compass yeah I like that. the way I parent is going to be different than what you feel is right for your children and it doesn't mean that you're wrong or I'm right or vice versa but it is about you know opening up our minds you know learning from all different places and really finding the best parenting path
path for each one of us. And hopefully that is with gentleness and spirituality and compassion and all of the positive words attached to it. The question that came to my mind was, well, how do you offer something? I know a lot of parents who feel like, you know, I didn't get that. I didn't get that parenting or I didn't have that experience. How do I create something or give something that I don't have? How do you address that? It's a really good question. I think that it's really about every parent opening their eyes and opening their minds and looking to people like me, but there are so many people like me that are sharing their experiences, sharing what they've learned, sharing how we can be more conscious and how we can be more open and we can create even better environments for our children. I think just the fact that a parent is saying, hey, I want my children to have a different, maybe better childhood than I had is already a huge step because the first thing is to have awareness. We know that as soon as we have an awareness, as soon as we ask the question, hey, how can this be better? You're already like a hundred steps ahead of where your parents were, you know, most likely. And so I don't think it's so much about how, you know, you don't have to have had like a perfect environment of parenting. You know, I personally have to tell you, my mom always laughs because she says, I hope you had good experiences because I know you're out there sharing about, you know, parenting what you've learned. And, and I always tell her, you know, like you guys did a great job. You did the best job you possibly could. And now I'm just going to, you know, build off of that foundation. I was lucky to have a really great childhood, but there were still so many things that my parents did that I would like to do differently, that I would like to see be different in my house. So I think that, you know, for parents that maybe they feel like looking back and they didn't learn how to be a great parent from their parents, I think that every parent, as long as they, again, open up their consciousness and they're willing to learn and to be better, it's like a, you're already halfway there. Yeah, it's, it's funny what you say, because I was, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco, the comedian, was here in town this weekend playing at the Forum and gotten a kick out of his clean brand of comedy that features his half-Italian immigrant family and wife has got a Jewish ancestry. So, you know, but the reason I brought it up is, is like how many people in this country have come from either parents completely immigrating here and in a way he jokes about it, but it's like his ability to figure out or navigate the difference between the way people thought about things coming from Italy with very little compared to like how Americans think about things has created his whole brand of humor and a way of relating to people. So on some levels, what your parents don't give you can create tremendous resilience and strength. And on the other hand, even if they do a great job and they're great parents, it's the perception of the child and in their experience. So we cannot control for all those things. And that's what makes you know, each child's perception is individually unique. So I know that, you know, Rich Roll, who has a podcast for like 20 years, is like an ultra marathon guy, had, had Gabor Mate on his podcast. You know, he invited Gabor Mate, like break him down from an attachment perspective about why he is the way he is. Why is he doing ultra marathons and, you know, doing all these podcasts and things like that? And he said, well, my parents are listening. Should I be, should I be worried? You know, within moments, even though he said my most amazing parents ever, there can be messages that we hear about things that we go through that, that say, yeah, you need to perform at the highest level to be yeah. accepted. So how much does conscious parenting allow for that? Like individual differences of the child, respecting their individuality, and finding a way to reach them while still honoring your true self as a parent. I think that is conscious parenting. It's pretty much, you know, summarized in that and more. But I think that what's really, you know, important to remember is that, like you said, every child is different. And so we have to allow our children to kind of also teach us how to parent them in the best way. You know, conscious parenting is really about opening up your ears and your eyes and your heart to hearing each one of your children and what their needs are. There isn't like, and that's why, you know, I started by saying that every parent has to 
develop their own internal parenting comes because there is no black and white like I'm gonna give you five steps and this is what you do to handle every child's tantrum and every child will work that way it's not it's not like that you know every child is different it's really about um, getting in touch with what their needs are and that goes for a child you know a baby up until I think an adult child even right when it's an adult child can come to their parents and tell them this really hurt my feelings what you did you know um, made me really angry and the parent can choose to get defensive or can choose to listen and say you know what I'm so sorry like let's talk about why you're feeling that way um, and so that's a really important to, to to understand when you have children of any age and that's really what conscious parenting is 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 looking at each child as their as its own entity and figuring out you know how to bring their best selves out how to communicate with them and honestly you know the, the most important step in conscious parenting is being willing to look internally and to take responsibility for the way that you're behaving as a parent which is why I think even if you weren't parented the way that you wish that you had been or you feel like you could have been it's just about taking responsibility today as an adult as a parent you know am I projecting and reflecting everything that I feel onto my kids am I allowing them to trick how how are, they triggered me right? they did something that set me off but why is that triggering me or something else they say doesn't trigger me but it's really about internal reflection as a parent and understanding that it starts with us we can't expect our children to behave differently to act differently to view the world differently if we're not willing first and foremost to do our own internal work I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was gonna ask well what happens right everything sounds great about conscious parenting until you're triggered right and we can't control when we're gonna be triggered mm-hmm. so what do we say right here we are in Los Angeles and a lot of parents acting parents parents of athletes you know I work with some of the parents who have children at Brentwood School Harvard Westlake you know Winward School so these are parents that are paying hard-earned tuition right it's expensive to give their kids the best opportunity to play in a sport to get into college right we have all the best intentions in the world what do we say to them about still having that opportunity there to learn about who their child is and what their child wants in moments of when things aren't going the way that they had planned so you know it's so important for us as parents to learn how to not judge our children many times our children maybe don't act the way that we want them to or the way we expect them to they act in a way that's you know entitled or ungrateful or they're not working really hard the way we think they should be at school whatever it is children I believe don't act out just to act out you know they're not trying to hurt their parents it's not really their deepest intention maybe they're upset so they are <laughs> somewhere but really they're every child when they're not performing the best that they could be there's something inside that's that's hurting you know and our job as parents to figure out what that is and I think that it's so important to have constant and clear and open communication with our children and that's something we have to actively work on it to really build a real and, and trusting relationship with our children it takes a lot of hard work it takes a lot of patience it takes us not judging them you know the moment that they do something and it's so easy for us to say I can't believe you did that or I expect better from you right I mean I know that those are even words that I say and I'm mm-hmm. working on myself so much as a parent it's so easy to judge our children and to say you know you're in a tantrum because you're this or you're that or whatever you're not trying but we need to figure out why they're not trying and, and children have to feel or why that, they feel defeated or the why they feel defeated absolutely and so children have to feel or any negative emotion or anything that they're going through it's our job as parents to open that conversation I can see that you feel defeated why do you feel that way let's talk 
talk about it. There's a, all different ways you approach it based on the child, but to create a safe environment where they feel like they can express themselves is key. And it's so important to being able to develop that relationship. So what do we tell a parent, right? They've left the football game, the basketball game, the test, the yeah. night when they got the test results or report card. Like, how can you check yourself before completely, you know, creating this energy around success, perfection, or anger and judgment? Like if we, the kid doesn't do well in the test. Yeah, it doesn't do well doesn't or just, well. or doesn't perform well during the game. Like, I guess the context for sports is that drive home is what a lot of kids dread. Oh my gosh. Right? Because there's a, an analysis coming. There's a pick apart of why didn't you shoot at the goal and why didn't you score more points and how come you weren't more aggressive and that's so much pressure to put on the kid and yet from an attachment perspective kids want to keep their parents happy so they'll sit there it'll come out in other ways right it shows up there's something missing because what they're wanting is the connection to the parent they're wanting the approval and instead what they're getting is like contingent based yeah if i do this it's a little bit coercive as well so how do we help parents with this because i know it's a trap we all fall into it comes from the best intentions right we want children to do well we want them to succeed to their ultimate potentials right so what kind of a check can parents do on themselves that they're not pushing too hard or they're allowing themselves to check in with their child about what's really going on behind their mood or, or why they're having a bad day i think the first thing to really check in is for a parent to take a second and say like you know what do i feel so my my child didn't perform well on the field or on the basketball court or you know failed the test okay now how does that making me feel am i freaking out because now i'm afraid they're going to be failures because they failed this one time and also to kind of examine so what's really what's wrong with failing why is it a bad thing that they made some mistakes or they didn't do well in a test sure your kid is cutting school every day and not trying on any test that's a maybe a different discussion still an important conscious one to have but you know i'd like to check in on our belief system around failure why is failure a bad thing we fail when we fail right then we can examine what we did that we've quote unquote failed at and then just grow from it and what we do when we make such a huge deal around failing a test or you know not performing to our ultimate best then we create children that think there's something wrong with failure and we know that how many times it took all sorts of geniuses and very successful people to get to the place where they are they failed and they failed over and over and over again right so the first thing is what is it triggering me as a parent that i think my child failed so what so they failed what's my greatest fear around failure yeah it's really the question people don't want to ask no because it's a very scary question to ask and it's very hard to go there especially when you're in a competitive environment and your child's in a really good school with other children and it looks like everyone else is succeeding and you want your child to be at the top okay and if they're not so what will happen so it's like it's really about checking in on what you feel right now and i would say for anyone who's listening in that moment when you see that they failed you got the report card whatever it is do not say anything just look at it give your kid a hug and walk away from the situation just be quiet change the topic talk about something else because when we're in that moment of really being triggered nothing we say will come out constructive nothing will build our child and take a few days to get to whatever it is that you can tell your child that will be constructive that will help them be inspired to perform differently to try differently but who knows maybe they really did their best and then we're telling them that their best is a failure and that creates a whole set of belief systems within the child right that won't help them to grow that won't help them to succeed it seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems some people go to the gym others may run but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. 
I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah, it's interesting. I just read a book by Barbara Oakley called Math by the Numbers. And I was like, why am I going to want to read this? But somebody really insisted for the way it's written that I take a look at it because it's so simple and basically explains what you're saying, like that a lot of people struggle in math because they start to fail and they interpret that failure as I'm not good at it. Right. And so they stop trying when it's actually the opposite, that if you fail at math and keep working on it, you expand your knowledge set of like how to solve a problem. In fact, you need to be committed to failing so it's very interesting and not judging the failure and the same i think applies for athletes right if you're willing to play just came from nevada like if you're willing to play at the highest level of tournaments with the best teams how often can you win you will always you know even draws you know ties are sometimes considered like oh i didn't win my group i didn't people can interpret this as failure but at that level it really comes down to you know such a high level of execution for such a prolonged period of time that simple mistakes, simple breaks down immunity of a team. So teams can win on any given day. So the lesson it showed me was, you know, how do you react to that? You know, oh, well, if you lose a game and then you decide, well, I'm putting my head down, I'm not going to show up for the consolation round. What is it? What message does that send to teenagers? We only play for the first prize. Not, okay, let's go out and try and succeed or fail again, but, right. but let's keep playing. And the element of play is something I really bring up with even adult clients I have, because if you're not in enjoying what you're doing if you're not enjoying the podcast you're on the time when you're out playing your sport you're not enjoying practicing your instrument at all then there's something to be you know checked in about like why am i doing this and you know what am i hoping to get out of this if it's only the result then you might be setting yourself up for unhappiness because you have to go through a process everybody has to go through a process to get the results so if it can be done consciously if it can be done through emotional support and connecting to your parent your coach able to express what it is you're feeling and so we you know parents and coaches psychologists can help facilitate that and if we're only accepting one answer if we're only accepting win if we're only accepting the results base you must score a certain amount you must complete a plus average then first of all we're not really loving that person and we're not being present with them either and we may be doing more harm than good yeah, absolutely even though we think we're correcting this thing within ourselves something that i i recorded a video on my instagram on friday and i shared that you know 
know, parenting is not about seeing short-term results. It's about building a long-term relationship with your children. It's not about like just speaking to what you just said, you know, it's not about getting them to do what you want right now or having the A plus on, on this test. It's really about, and when we're conscious parents, we might not see results in that moment. Our kids might not do what we want them to do because we're being patient and because we're being kind or they're not going to feel like coerced into behaving a certain way. But what we're doing is we're building this beautiful long-term relationship where our children will feel safe with us, will trust us, will listen to us, will be able to listen to themselves and us and figure out really what's best for them. That's really the gift, right? Being yeah. able to listen to ourselves. Yeah. I know that's still part of my practice as I wrestle with, you know, any meditation or quiet time of going in inside yes. and building this capacity. And if we don't feel like that was really given to us, it's hard. But most of my clients are now, you know, there's some out of session work around meditating or mindfulness to get away from the busyness and the distractions, which raises me to, you know, another topic I want to get to the era we're in with so much technology. Every kid's got a phone. We mentioned early on, you know, as they get towards high school, like checking Snapchat, like three times for 10 seconds. And now they know like how to do it in class while the teacher, it looks like they are actually in another, they're in their classroom, but they're also getting notifications. You know, how do we address this thriving opportunity of technology and still remaining conscious and connected in our parenting? Yeah, I think that's a really tough one, but I think it's tough because as parents, the first question we need to ask ourselves is how addicted are we to that technology, right? Because I know for myself, I could be home and I actually do try to consciously, I have like two and a half hours with my kids from the time school ends until they go to sleep because they're young. So I consciously try to put down my phone and just look at it to check who's calling me in case it's an emergency or something, but not pick it up and not go into it. But I could so easily say, and I have found myself doing this, like, wait a minute, I have like something from work, right? I think especially work, work is calling. This is really important. And that becomes, the, that could become the excuse in my mind for why I'm paying attention to my phone and not my children. Now, if we were to do that, and in our minds, work is really important, but to our kids, their friends are really important. In their minds, their friends and answering their friend and being on Snapchat or whatever it is, is just as important to them in their life as our work is to us. And sure, work is what brings the money in and right, it's our career, but kids don't see it like that. So the first question we really need to ask ourselves as parents is, are we putting the phone before our children? And if we are, we can't expect them to get off the phone to put us first. When they need us, do we snap to attention and put down our phone really quickly? Or do we finish up what we're writing? Well, our kids do the same and we can't expect them to behave differently if we're not, right? I know for myself, like even with TV, I love watching TV. My husband loves watching TV and I don't like my kids to watch TV, but I can't have it both ways, right? Because even if they don't see me watching TV, because I do it when they're asleep, they I know. love watching TV. They know what you do, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's like I can't in good conscience tell them you can't watch any TV. So we have boundaries around it. Like I try to set for myself the same kind of boundaries. So it doesn't waste my time, but I still use it, you know, to relax. So I think that that's really the first main question that each parent has to really ask themselves and be willing to be really honest, right? Do I put down my technology all the time while I'm home and pay full attention to my kids or am I on both? And we just can't expect our children to behave differently than we're willing to. That's the first yeah. key thing, I think. Well, you said a few things in the first thing. One is setting some limits, right? Yeah. Even if you're doing it, there has to be a limit. Second, I think what you said was really key, which is the social ostracization or exclusion kind of feeling that I know if I knew my friends were at somebody's house and I wasn't invited or I couldn't come over, I felt left out. Now they're in a headset playing a game. Right. And if they get off to have dinner, they may feel like they're missing. Not only that, but you know, secondary consequences, you could get unfriended. 
offended. You could get left out. So it's this deeper conversation, but we need to be present for that conversation. Yeah. There's a deeper issue of why they feel they need to hold on or stay. There's a motivation. It's not just an avoidance of our parenting instructions or desire. They're being equally motivated by something very powerful to stay. Being open for that conversation is something, you know, I welcome because being willing to not always be liked or being willing to say you have other responsibilities or homework, I mean, is a part of life. Right. And if people are going to exclude you, judge you, I mean, there's always going to be bullies and, and things like that. So it opens up deeper conversations if we look at what's happening behind the behavior. Absolutely. So, but it does make it more challenging. So other than taking a evening cutoff time, taking a one day holiday per week from using technology, any other tips you have for people to kind of keep themselves balanced in the road we're going down? For adults or for children? For parents, for parents. right? For the parents, right? I think like we mentioned boundaries, but making them clear from the beginning, like sitting down with your child and having a conversation about what boundaries we're going to put around technology. Because when we as parents impose those boundaries on our kids, they tend not to work so well. It doesn't work with two-year-olds and it doesn't work with, you know, 16-year-olds. But if you explain to them what you feel and what you think around it, what you feel like it's keeping your family from or what it's keeping your child from to be constantly connected to technology and you talk about what is a reasonable amount of time to have on technology and you go back and forth with them and you include them in that conversation, I can't tell any family how much screen time a child should have because that's the decision of, I think, each parent. But when you create an environment where you're asking your child, well, what do you think, right? You just make them part of the conversation. You'll see that there will be such a different reaction. I'll just give you an example. I mean, I have a three-year-old at home and he loves, he loves watching TV and he could just sit there all day, become a zombie and his attitude completely changes when he watches too much TV. He gets kind of nasty, which isn't his real personality. And so when it's time to turn off the TV, what I discovered is that if I allow him to turn off the TV, like I don't come and take the remote and be like, done, time to turn off the TV and shut it off in his face. I say, you know, I give him like five minute warning, 10 minute warning, five minute warning. And then I, I give him the remote and I tell him, can you please turn off the TV? You do it. And he does it. It's three, right? Because we, <laughs> if I come and I do it to him, it's like huge tantrum. But think about it. I'm like power parenting over him. I'm taking away all his free will, taking all the control. But when I create a conversation with him and it's a smaller one because he's younger, he doesn't understand the same way a 15 year old does, but I give him the power to turn off the TV. Nine times out of 10, he does it very easily, very simply. And he walks away like he's fine. So how do we do this, right? For the parents out there that have 15, mm -hmm. 14, 15, 16, you know, high school basketball players, they're on their social media. They're checking clips of other people playing. They're checking out kids who play and different teams and professional right. teams and it's their passion but it's never ending right there's so much access now you know there's so much information yeah. that it can go down like we said where it's like three checks per 10 seconds right. so how do you help a parent realize like when is it becoming to the point of creating distraction creating obsession or even a teenager can develop that kind of internal mechanism to go whoa this is now getting less sleep how do we help them develop that monitoring so I think again first it starts with the parent really like looking and seeing how am I treating social media screen time you know am I a parent that comes home and puts my phone down and gives 100% of my attention to my child and I know that teens usually go into the room and they close the door and they don't want to be with you anyway <laughs> at that point but at the same time you know like am I making myself available to them when when they really need me or do I say you know I need to go to work I need to do this or that or whatever um so that's the first thing is for each parent to really look and see how much is the phone an extension of their hand the same way that it is for their children and then to to sit down and have a conversation
conversation with a teen and, and to say to them, I can see how important it is for you to constantly be checking social media to see, you know, what, what's new, what's happening in basketball and whatever, whatever is their interest. I can see that it's really important for you. And I understand that it's really important for you. It's really important for me that we also have time, you know, that you, you take care of yourself. I mean, that's a whole another conversation is teaching our children to have self-care, right? That we need to nurture them and they need to nurture themselves with good sleep, with good food, with themselves time away from the screen. So it's, it's really like, I can't, it would, we can well, talk it's not from a small now point. until forever. Yeah, to... it's not a small point because teenage depression, anxiety and impulsivity, even connection to, you know, serious things like suicidality, lack of sleep, you know, that, that is part of the factors Yeah, because there's less ability to make conscious decisions. It's more impulsive. Yeah. So especially as we're trying to encourage, I mean, we're not just raising athletes, we're not just raising performers, we're raising human beings to use the full sense of themselves in making decisions that are healthy. Yeah. And again, as a parent, it's to start like, do you go to sleep at a good time and make sure you get good sleep? Do you make sure to take care of your body and eat healthy food? You know, do you make sure that you unwind and don't just go from the screen to sleep, which we know doesn't help us to sleep well at night. So it's really checking in with yourself. But then, you know, having that conversation with your teenager and not approaching it like I'm going to tell you what to do. It has to be an approach where we're sitting down, we're looking at them as if, you know, it's another adult sitting there or as we wish that we were spoken to as a teenager. And things have changed even more. So teens are even more kind of sure in certain ways, like they're smarter. They know when they're being manipulated, they don't like it. To sit down and say, like, see what's important to you. And I validate it. And I understand that it is important because it is important for them to be connected. It is the way of the world today, you know, and at the same time, I notice that it might be disturbing your sleep. So can we come up with a better plan for you before you get into bed at night? Can we talk about which hour of the day do you want to be on your phone? And I won't say a word about it, right? Like you choose the timing. Like, let's just include them in the conversation. When we come from above, we create resentment. We create, you know, kids get our teenagers or children will get angry. Every age they want autonomy. And we, we have to really learn how to respect that, I think. And like that, when we can respect that, then they'll also be more open to hearing, you know, I notice that I don't feel happy. And why don't I feel happy? Why do I feel anxious or depressed or like I never have enough? And I think that children, you know, the same way that there's so much, there's there's so much in social media and there's so many more things children are exposed to. I think the same way they're also more open-minded. I think that teenagers are more open to, to internal growth. Those are all things that are spoken about by all the influencers that they're watching also, you know, because people in general are just more open to it. So while children, teenagers are so much more exposed to things than they were 10, 15 years ago, there's positive things that they're exposed to too. And I think it makes them more open. They're more mature. You know, you watch some of these like performers on different shows, like The Voice or Eurovision, whatever it is. And you're just like, I cannot believe that a 15 year old. Because they have access to everything. They have access they can, to everything. So they, they can... see everything. And we can say that there's so much negative, but there's so much positive that comes with that too. You know, they're be way more open to having a conversation like that. And maybe I was at that age. That's right. And more mature. And that's the carrot too, for, for parents that are listening out there that are like, oh, do you want me to become more aware? Like, yeah, right. I want, you want me to look at why I'm reacting the way I'm acting. What's the motivation? The carrot is you'll get to know and help you a part of creating unlimited potential, not only in your child, but in your relationships, because you're removing that trigger, that thing that you're trying to control from within yourself and you're using it to become, you know, more connected. Yeah. If you need help with that process or ways you get hung up, again, contact me and uh, we'll be happy to walk you through it. It's something everyone goes through uh, no matter how much responsibility
responsibility and stress you're under in today's world. So real quick, before we wrap up, please, you mentioned your Instagram. Tell us how people can find you uh, and what courses and, and information to look for in 2020 Thank from you. Rebecca. So um, the best way I would say to get in touch with me is if you're on Facebook or Instagram. I have a page with my name, Rebecca Gez, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, and my last name is G-U-E-Z. Um, and on Instagram, my handle is Rebecca Gez with the number one. I'm constantly posting a lot of content um, related especially to parenting, but also internal growth and self-growth. Um, so you can find that there. I also do one-on-one -on -one parenting coaching for parents with children of all ages. It's funny because I was teaching a parenting class in Miami where I was living previously, and I would have parents with children of all ages. I had grandparents in the class too, because it's never too late to create and to develop a really beautiful relationship with your child. So, you know, parents of teenagers that feel like, you know, they were already kind of developed or like things have been like this for so long. It's never too late. We can always rewrite and, you know, change the, the, the way that we interact with our children. Positive change can actually happen so much faster than we think. So I work one-on-one -on -one with parents and there will be courses that I will be giving on parenting in the coming year, but the dates aren't set yet, but I will put everything on social media. So you can reach out to me and contact me there. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Richard Listens or Instagram Richard Listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.